0: Hey, Teresa, those two guys are bragging about playing football. Can't you say you were a cheerleader or something? No, Trent. We have serious education issues, property tax issues, small business struggles, and the heavy hand of the federal government to worry about, not football. Oh, you know what? You got a point. Folks, choose a real winner. Teresa Thibodeau, May 10th, the Nebraska primary. Paid for by Nebraskans for Teresa, TeresaForGovernor.com.
1: Hello, everyone. I am not Trent Luce. This is Amanda Radke filling in for this exciting edition of Roll Route. And as Trent would say, Roll Route is the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is discuss the issues between Roll and Urban America. I'm very excited today to be joined by a friend of mine who I hope we get to meet in person one day. But welcome, Annalise Wagner, the Mod Farm Chick. You are um, just someone I've really admired for a long time. So I'm excited to sit down with you and visit today.
2: Oh my gosh, the feeling is mutual. I love, you know, following you as well. And yeah, I hope we get to meet
1: in person. (laughs) No, I know. I, I actually don't go to a lot of dairy meetings. I did speak at one... Dairy co op meeting earlier this year in Minnesota. And I mean, oh. they're, they're like my people. Like, you guys yeah. you have cows. You just get it. So, right. Yeah. So, just to start, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you guys live, what you do, your family, the farm?
2: Yeah. Okay. So, I'm Annalise Wagner. I farm with my husband, our two children, and then my husband's parents um, near the La Crosse, Wisconsin area. So, we're dairy farmers. We milk about 700 cows three times a day. Um, Tom and I both grew up on the dairy farm. He's the second generation on his farm. I'm the fifth generation on my farm. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, and if, if people could see your place, like it's gorgeous. You have these beautiful big barns and the, the flag and the cattle look amazing. Like I just, I, I love seeing, uh, your family and your story Uh, What kind of inspired you to start sharing about your farm? Because, as I mean, anyone who knows who's ever shared their story online, they know they get a lot of haters. And I know you've Uh had your fair share of that as well.
2: Yeah. So I always knew that sharing my farm story was important. I knew that consumers are growing farther and farther away from the farm and have little to no idea who their farmer is or where their food comes from. And while I knew this was important, I thought, oh, you know, we've got, other people doing it. I don't need to do it. Who's going to listen to me? Um, but from time to time, I would share different blog posts from other farmers um, with my maternal grandparents who aren't as connected to agriculture. And it was a particular blog post about animal abuse. And it really resonated with my grandma. And she immediately called me and began telling me how well written it was, how informative it was. She had thought I had written it. And I corrected her. And told her another farmer wrote it, but that's kind of what got me thinking, well, I could do this. I could blog just, I mean, at least as a way to connect with my grandparents and show them what we do on a regular basis. So this was, I don't even remember how many years ago now. Um, I got started on wordpress.com and just started sharing our everyday farm life. And it took off to me being on Facebook, Instagram. I was on Snapchat for a little bit trying to figure out this
1: TikTok and YouTube world. Um, so it just kind of snowballed from that. Yeah, you know, that story reminds me of when I was dating Tyler, and I first visited their farm, they grew up on a dairy. And so his sweet little grandma who milked cows, you know, twice a day all of her life. And I thought she understood what was going on, you know, ex- in the outside world with external threats, uh, animal rights activists mm. and all of that jazz. And I, I walked into their farmhouse and she had a pair of gloves that were given to her by the Humane Society of the United States. And I go to my husband or my husband, boyfriend at the time, I was like, what, what's up with grandma here? You know, and, <laughs> and he was like, oh. oh, she, she got conned into uh, donated because of those commercials. And, you know, she's got this oh. art for animals. So that was like an aha moment for me because it's, oh man, even in our own families, even if they. We're grew up in agriculture, i have always been a part of it, or have relatives that are engaged, maybe they don't necessarily understand. And, and so, yeah, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we have to state the obvious sometimes. And I don't know, for you, Absolutely. do you feel it's a lot of sharing basics? I mean, what resonates the most with your viewers? Yeah,
2: 100%. It's the basic stuff. Because when I first started, I was sharing the basic stuff i'm like who like this is boring everybody knows this right um and even my yeah rural friends and family they they didn't know these things so it it really was eye-opening that like it's just yeah back to the basic stuff that farmers do every day in and out to care for their animals and land is the stuff people need to see and hear
1: Yeah. And you do it with a way you're humorous. So you're funny and you're fun. Like people want to come and hang out with you. I think each day watching your stories and you've got your little ones tagging along and you're feeding the calves and it's fun. You invite people into your day. Uh, Does it ever get hard to do that? It does.
2: Um, I think we all have days where we're feeling more creative or more positive. Um, Everybody has bad days, so it can be tough on those bad days or they're days you just feel like "Eh, I don't want to do this but for the most part I really do enjoy it I like connecting with people I like showcasing our our farm life and um the kids definitely they bring a new element to it they make it they're the funny ones right yeah they're hilarious
1: (laughs) well it's like too many you's like it's you and your husband like (laughs) repeated like these little stamped clones and they (laughs) They're adorable. And yeah, it's like weird. I feel like I know your family, even though I've never met and you probably feel the same way where you're like, oh yeah, I, I know that person because they, they share their life. Uh, You know, with, with some producers, I know the, the feeling or the comment I get is, yeah, but I don't, I, you know, we have the checkoff for that and I don't make money sharing my story. I have too many things to do. Do you see just from a practical standpoint that there's, profit coming back to you? Or it's a economic benefits to going on Instagram and Facebook every day and just showing up and telling your story? Or are you playing more of a long man's game here?
2: I'd say a little bit of both in the short term, I feel like it is so important for every farmer to share their story. um, Because even if we can just help one person understand what we do or where their food comes from, it makes such a difference, not even not even just from like, The grocery store or um, shopping habits that consumers play a role in, but like we have people in our communities who don't know a lot about farming who are then voting on you know different Mm -hmm. town boards um and their decisions and their vote you know what they're voting on affects farmers directly so if they don't understand what it is we do then like they're not going to be voting for us to keep farming in the way that
1: we need to, you right, know? Right. I always say, you know, because people think, oh, this farmer, this rancher just wants to stay in business. You know, they're just greedy or whatever. But I always say, we care about the exact same things. We want safe and affordable food that's nutritious. And so we're all on the same team here, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of voices everywhere that are telling people you can improve animal welfare by voting for this ballot initiative and you can save the planet by cutting meat or dairy and you can you mm-hmm. know, you do all these things. So the noise is loud out there. And yeah, it takes a lot of us just stepping ourselves into that you know, platform, into those platforms and into those spaces where you kind of open yourself up for criticism. But if we're not there, who is telling our story? And that's what's really scary
2: hundred percent. Yeah. We all need to put a face to farming it, it needs to be all of our faces. And, um, I think a little can really go a long way. I think a lot of people get scared to share their story because they think they need to be an influencer and they need to do it 24 seven. I would say people like you and I are maybe like the, the exception to the rule, but if everybody just did a little bit, even if it's not on social media, just getting involved in your community, um, and letting people know that you're in the farm, you're the farmer in town. Right. Um, Right. That, that counts too.
1: Yeah. And I always say, you know, we're not going to change people's mind with just the, uh, oh, we're going to educate. We have to educate, educate. To me, it's, we have to change their hearts first because people are emotionally driven and once they can see our hearts. So if, if you're the farmer in town and you're serving ice cream at the baseball diamond during the summer tournament, they're going to remember that they met this really cool farmer who also mm-hmm. provided this experience for kids. Or, you know, there's ways I think we can think outside the box where it teaches people like we are people too. And we're families in this community and we're not just a business or just a farm. We're, we're more than that. We're just like them too. Yes. Absolutely. That wasn't even a question. That was just me on a soapbox. But <laughs> um, with 30 seconds before the break, uh, can you just tell us quick in this segment, uh, quickly, how we can follow you, where people can find you at? Sure. So I am
2: Modern Day Farm Chick on Facebook and then Instagram is Mod Farm Chick.
1: Okay. Awesome. Are you on Twitter or anywhere else? Or uh, tick- You said TikTok. Can we find you on TikTok?
2: Yes. I'm Mod Farm Chick on TikTok. Um, but don't expect
1: much. You'll probably just be disappointed when you get there. <laughs> yeah, my TikTok is very, very disappointing as well. It's basically like when I remember to post an Instagram video, I might go over there. Well, that, that'll do it for the first segment of Roll Route. I'm filling in for Trent Lewis, sitting here with Annalise Wagner, the Mod Farm Chick. We'll be right back.
0: And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general, the world's authority on nitric oxide production. Dr. Nathan Bryan explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know,
1: pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick. Some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It
2: all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their
1: body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to to
2: COVID or any other virus, and your immune system nips it in the bud, and you don't get sick from it. It's really
1: that simple.
0: We're going to change this ordering process up to make it simpler. Go to loosetailsmedia.com. loosetailsmedia.com. There will be an order mechanism there, and if you want more of the science, I'll get that to you from Dr. Nathan Bryan. loosetailsmedia.com. It's N-O-2-U. The product's the same. The place you get it is different.
1: And we're back. It is a takeover of Roll Route. It's all girls today. No Trent Loose here in sight. So we, the, the sky is the limit of what we can talk about. And, uh, I, I really, I think why I wanted to reach out to you is because you're kind of one of those movers and shakers that makes things happen. And I see, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you're using these platforms, not just to talk about the dairy industry, but also to run a business. And can you kind of tell what your business is, how you've kind of married the two, because it is an, it is an interesting dynamic, but somehow you make it all work perfectly.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So For those of you that don't know, I, in addition to being a mom and a farmer, I also also sling skincare for Rodan and Fields. (laughs) Um, I started this shortly after I gave birth to the twins and I found myself as a, um, making a transition from full-time farmer to part-time farmer, full-time butt wiper. And even though my husband assured me that keeping the little people alive was an important job, it just didn't feel that way to me. Like I wanted something more that allowed me um, to talk to people to adults um, and and contribute to our our household so I started selling skincare and really it was just something for me in the beginning but the cool thing that happened um, was I had a whole new audience now I think a lot of us as advocates are always trying to figure out how do we reach the people that actually need to hear that message because right. so many of us just have fellow farm friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So by selling skincare, suddenly I had all of these new women who are from all over the country, Australia, Canada, and a lot of them have never met a farmer before. So it's been really cool to have them start following me so I can share my farm life. And then uh, now I have this knowledge about skincare and I can help my farm moms feel good in their skin. So yeah, it's kind of a cool thing.
1: Yeah. I always tell people that their other interests outside of agriculture are what makes them the most valuable advocates because they're reaching out outside of the, you know, our choir and our echo chamber. And I found that with foster care, I, I never would have mm. imagined that I'd be in like during the pandemic, I had a birth mom of a, of a kid that we were taking care of and she was ready to throw away all of her meat because, you know, in the news it was, oh, COVID is on the surface of meats. And so I got to talk to her about cooking temperatures and using a meat thermometer mm. and that, you know, bacteria or whatever is killed with heat. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Or social workers asking about, you know, how could I buy beef in bulk or, you know, just walk him through that. And and I struggled for a while about how can I marry these two passions that I have? And what I realized with that was uh, it all comes down to food. And, you know, a lot of these kids that we were taking care of had seen food insecurity in their lives. And that was my aha moment. Like, well, I like food and I produce food. (laughs) And so let's talk about food insecurity and also do this other thing. And so that's what I see you're doing too, because it's like so many women want to look good and feel good in their own skin and, and we're all stressed and overworked and tired and you have a solution, but then, Hey, while you're here, Let's talk about dairy and how that can also help you glow mm-hmm. <laughs> from the inside out. And so it's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah. what, what has been maybe the biggest misconception that you've had to kind of tackle over the years?
2: Um, I think in the dairy world, it's probably the whole, why do you separate the calf, um, from the cow thing? Yeah. That's always a hot, touchy subject, especially when you're talking to people who like love animals and are maybe comparing animals to people. So it like, it just doesn't make sense to them. Right. Um, but yeah, that's always a tough one.
1: I try not to talk about it a lot, but a little, cause it needs to be talked about. So with the listeners of rural route, I mean, a lot of them would understand and appreciate agriculture, but there's going to be a lot of listeners that don't come from a farmer ranch background. What would you say to that one? Cause I think this is a great opportunity to just kind of clear the air on that.
2: The reason dairy farmers separate the calf from the cow is for the best interest of the cow and the calf. Um, dairy calves are born with very delicate immune systems. They're not hardy like a beef calf. They really need extra TLC. So we move them into their own calf hutch or um, space in a barn. So for the first few weeks of their life, they aren't exposed to like adult manure or um, other illnesses that other The rest of the herd can carry. And then it also allows us to give the mom that care too, right? Like when a cow gives birth, she's not the best mom. She just wants to like eat and relax and do cow things. That's all cows want to do. (laughs) So she goes and gets that attention. She gets moved into our hospital barn where we keep an eye on her for at least 12 days until we know she's healthy. She can go back with the rest of the herd. And it also makes it a heck of a lot easier to milk that cow. Like if yeah. we had cows and calves running around in the barn together, it would be a mess. Calves would be getting stepped on. Everybody would be dirty. So it just really keeps the cow and the calf healthy.
1: Yeah. Do you have a lot of people that equate them, those baby calves, they see on your Instagram stories as, as like pets? Or I guess how do you kind of navigate through that and explain that difference?
2: Um. I don't think, not too many people, I think, consider them as pets. Um, but I do like to showcase, like, these are herd animals. It's not a dog. They're unpredictable. Um, yes, you can, like, have your pets at the farm, the animals, you know, that you can go out, scratch, sit on, who knows. But at the end of the day, they are still unpredictable animals. Um, and and you have to treat them that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, and so do your kids get involved in that end? Because you do show that a lot, making the milk and going from hutch to hutch and and feeding the calves, and it is cool to see. But are your kids? I guess at what age do they start stepping into those roles? And and I always say, one day my kids are going to be helpful, and not.
2: <laughs> not. <laughs> I think we're getting closer to that point. Yeah, um, they, you know, yeah, they've been doing chores with me since I mean before they could walk, and we're finally getting to. Um, a time where they are a little more helpful than annoying. So they do like to feed calves. It still, it takes way longer with them than it would without them. But uh, that's part of the farm life. You know, you want them to grow up doing that and learning and um, understanding hard work.
1: Yeah. And that's what I always say or think about, you know, I could get everything done so much faster if the kids weren't in tow, but that's not the point, you know, and and when we slow down and are able to do it alongside them we can teach them our values too and kind of show that next mm-hmm. generation what we're trying to accomplish here and and at the end of the day they tend to understand the circle of life and nature and their food so much faster and so much more fully than most grown adults and Yes, <laughs> it's uh I it's amazing to, to see. I have to tell you a funny
2: story. So, we're pretty, I mean, um transparent with our kids about where meat comes from where milk comes from and we've told them that the dairy cow not only can make milk for dairy products but they um can produce meat as well and we kind of thought they understood that the cow had to die and that's how you get the meat um but the other day lane goes to me but mom how do you get the meat out of the rudders oh I guess we need to work on this one a
1: little bit more. (laughs) Spoken like a true dairy kid right there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we after Easter Mass, we were talking to the priests, and we're like, You guys can come out for steaks, you know, after the big Lent season's over. Now you have some time to hang out, and they're like, Oh, you know, can we help on the farm? What can we do? And I'm picturing like, How do I put these priests to work? I don't know what to do with them. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, Scarlett said, Well, we just want to cook you a good steak. And and the priest goes, Well, I feel sad because aren't those, aren't those cows your friends? And this girl's like, well, yeah, but we still eat them. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if this is good or bad, but she's just like, whatever. But at the end of the day, we, we always try to drive home that we're ultimately trying to help people and nourish people. And these cows can do so much that, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all about honoring their life and making sure they're healthy and thriving while we have them and then respectfully harvesting them to provide for humanity. So it's a, it's a good calling, but it's a hard concept to teach people because I feel like no matter how you spin it, (laughs) they're still like, no, that's, that's terrible. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and you, you mentioned one thing, we have just 30 seconds, but talk to me about cow things because you had a really cute Instagram reel where you just showed cow things. So what are doing cow things? Cause I love that phrase.
2: (laughs) Cow things again, cows are lazy. so. What does a cow want to do? She wants to lay down. She wants to chew her cud. She wants to be nice and cool. Um, mosey around her pen, eat, drink, just lay around. I think that's what we all want to do, really. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. They've got the brushes and they're relaxing and they're in their beds. Yeah, it, it's a cool thing. Yeah. I like that phrase. It should be on a t shirt or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me write that down. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we'll be right back after this short break. I'm Amanda Radke, pulling him to Trent Loose on today's Roll Route.
0: Certified Piedmontese continues to pave the way for producers to get paid properly for the cattle that they produce. If you're a Great Plains cattleman and you'd like to go beyond what the commodity market is doing for you, then investigate and go to Lone Creek Cattle Company. Find some people that are a part of it. Now, in my travels, It's pretty common this week, uh, uh, as I have traveled Nebraska, I've talked to a lot of people about the certified Piedmontese system, and they say, well, you know, I know it's starting to be commonplace that somebody, if you're in the Great Plains, says I know somebody that's involved in the production side. That's because it's 25,000 head each year and continuing to grow. If you're interested in investigating more about uh, putting more money on the bottom line, or maybe even just getting some money on the bottom line. That's black, not red. Go to LoneCreekCattleCo.com. LoneCreekCattleCo.com about the certified Piedmontese system.
1: Hello, everybody. This is the second half of Rural Route. I'm Amanda Radke filling in for Trent Luce, sitting with Annalise Wagner, the mod farm chick, who hilariously, accurately, and every single day shows up to tell her audiences about where their dairy comes from. Uh, I see you're very busy. I was checking out your social media last night and you are speak- on the speaker circuit. Can you tell me where you're headed or where can people listen to you speak? Yeah, I'm I'm dabbling in the speaking
2: um, and maybe this would be a good way to get my toes wet, but in May, I'm just going to be speaking at our local FFA banquet, okay. and I'm um, just going to be talking about the importance of advocating and hopefully encourage these fellow FFAers to tell their farm story. And then in June, I am headed to the Connect Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, where I'll be on a panel with some fellow advocates, and we're just going to be talking about advocacy. So I'm really excited for the Nashville trip.
1: Yeah, I mean Nashville's a good time anytime you can go. But you're like surrounded by the who's who and the dairy industry. So can who? I guess who is all on the panel with you because it's all these awesome dairy producers and voices.
2: Yeah, so it'll be um, the New Mexico Milkmaid, calf vet, the New York Farm Girls, and then um, I'm going to screw up his handle. I think it's the the Iowa dairy farmer or the Illinois dairy oh,
1: farmer. Iowa, yeah, he's he's not afraid to go after the activists, right? That guy, yeah, 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 yeah. he's <laughs> awesome. I'll I'll provide that in the comments if you guys are watching this on YouTube. But um, yeah, awesome, awesome crowd of people. And I guess what do you think? You know, there's so many different voices, but you're all so unique in a in a way. And that's what I always tell people is. I I see advocates sometimes will say you have to do it this exact way, or you're not doing it right. And I always tell people you just be you and you're going to attract exactly who you want to attract. You know, you're going to attract your Mm -hmm. tribe. Um, So what I talk about maybe totally repels some people, but it's going to bring in a whole flock of different people. And so everyone has just like their unique voice. And I guess what advice would you give to someone that was just getting started and thought, they have no idea how to create content. They they feel self-conscious that people are judging them or thinking, you know, what they're doing is dumb. I guess, what advice would you have?
2: I mean, just get started. You're going to yeah. feel so dumb in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So dumb. Yep. I remember yep. when Instagram stories just uh, first came out and I had to listen to the sound of my own voice and I was like, good God, no, thank yes, you. Right. Um, but now, now it's like second nature, right? Yep. So just get started. Um, be yourself. Like you said. Talk like you're talking to a friend um, and know that you don't need to be an expert in everything. Mm-hmm. Just share what you know. If you ever get a question or a comment that you don't know the answer to, just help point those people in the right direction, right? Like yep. you don't have to be perfect. You just have right. to do it.
1: Yep. I agree. And, and I would say it, it is also helpful. I always tell people, if you really don't feel like you can talk, um, and share your story, just share those of the people who are doing it because it just helps so much. The algorithms are always burying good content, mm-hmm. I think. And it's really hard to kind of get content out there. But I totally know what you mean about feeling stupid I'm my I still do that my husband will watch my stories at the end of the day. And I'll be like, Oh, dear, no, like, I cannot hear my own <laughs> voice, like shut that off. Or, you know, starting this YouTube channel, I mean, key. go check it out, everybody. But I'm like, cool, It took me so long to put this video together. And three people watched it, you know, what's the point? And that that is the thing, everybody starts at zero. And so, you Mm -hmm. are you do I remember when I started blogging 14 years ago and I was like cool the only one that's going to read this is my mom like this is such a waste of my time but if you just keep showing up people people know that they can count on you and and they want to be a part of your day and your conversations and and yeah it, it offers great opportunities uh what advice would you have for dealing with the trolls and the activists and the crazy people My advice there is
2: don't deal with it. I know when I had my first um, vegan activist attack, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to comment back. Um, You get fired up. Your blood is boiling. You think you need to do something about it. Um. But honestly, the best thing to do is just let it ride out. Mm-hmm. Um, those people are not your audience. They don't care what they what you have to say. You're not going to change their opinion. Yeah. I choose to focus my time on people who actually consume dairy products mm-hmm. and want to learn about where those products come from. The vegan activists are not those people. So let them blow up your page. It's probably going to get you more followers anyways. Yep. They're just helping it, you in the algorithm.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> never lasts long. You know, yeah. it'll yeah. go away.
1: And I, I think it's fair to say, I mean, do they bother you sometimes? Because they really they have in the past, like where the the comments get so heated uh, that, you know, or they're a threat to your family or you just feel like there's mm-hmm. something that just hits you just right. And, you know, yeah, your blood's boiling or you feel sick to your stomach. Like, I, I think that's perfectly normal because yeah. everybody wants to be liked. No one wants to be hated or attacked or feel like they have to defend themselves. But, um, yeah, I think that's perfect advice. Just use it to your advantage, let it be fuel for your fire, and yeah, focus on the people that just want to learn about what you do, and yeah, yeah, Yeah. but it, it's okay, I always tell people to, it's okay to have boundaries, because we want, we don't want people in agriculture to be struggling, or have it be impacting their personal lives, or, you know, it's okay mm-hmm. to take breaks once in a while, or yeah, all that, yes. so do you take breaks on that note, do you step away sometimes? <laughs> I would say I consider it a break, but it's probably not a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I'm like, oh, I took a day. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I guess what fuels you to keep showing up? I mean, is it just habit at this point? It's habit. I
2: enjoy it. Um, I guess I don't. I really enjoy Instagram. I think it's a, it's a space for me to be creative. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a space for me to connect with others because I live out in the boonies. I don't get to see my friends a lot. Um, there's just, there's a lot of good things about it. I think Instagram or social media in general can be a very positive space. If you use it correctly, if you're following people who, who bring you joy, Mm -hmm. um, and you're not just constantly comparing yourself to someone else or, or that sort of thing.
1: Right. No, totally agree. And yeah, I, I just think that community you can build is so rich and valuable and even more so with COVID when COVID hit and you weren't going mm. out and about, it's like, oh, I still have these people that can relate and they're going through the same things and we can talk online even if we can't be together. Yeah. Um, what would be, I guess, if if you could tell people something about the dairy industry that's just really misunderstood, what would that be?
2: Hmm. I think the biggest thing I want people to know is that dairy farmers are people just like you. They care. They want the same things. I mean, I think that's probably for farmers in general. We care about our land, our community, our animals. We know that we can't have food for the future or a prosperous business in the future if we don't do things correctly right now. Mm -hmm. So are there bad apples out there? Absolutely. There are in every industry but that is not the normal. Um, most farmers are good people just like you who care and are doing their best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm just thinking of, of, I guess, what's been like the most successful thing for you to reach your audience? Is it reels? Is it posts? Is it, do you feel like you can reach more people on Facebook or Instagram or kind of what's been the success thing for you?
2: I would say Instagram. Um, I just feel like there's more community there. There's more engagement. There's more conversation. I actually have more Facebook followers, but the engagement just isn't there. Um yeah. I feel like the people on Instagram are way cooler. Um,
1: <laughs> I feel that too. Or, and like people are kind of mean on Facebook. I think sometimes, yeah. I don't know what it, what it is, but that's how I think about Twitter too. Like it's Everybody's angry on Twitter. I don't yes. want to feel that way. When <laughs> right. I'm there. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you do have a ton of followers on Facebook. I, I checked that out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have a mass following. Um, so what what are some challenges facing dairy producers right now?
2: Um, I feel like we're always facing challenges. Probably <laughs> right now <laughs> is um, obviously, you know, fuel prices, feed prices, all, all the the inputs. Um and we are seeing a little bit higher of a milk price. But again, everything we need to make that milk is now more money too. Um, so it's always tough. It goes ups and downs, but I've always said, you know, farming isn't just a business. It's our lifestyle. It's ingrained in us. It's what we love to do. So no matter what happens, like we're not going to quit.
1: We yeah. just keep plugging along. Just battle through it. See, I kind of get to be more doomsday where I'm like, it's gonna get bad. Or I saw someone on Twitter was like, Oh, I just sold eight dollar corn. And I, you know, we don't raise crops. We we buy our feeds and then I'm like, Oh no, that's gonna be so bad for the livestock guys. I'm like yeah. crying a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> you you weather through it, you figure it out and yeah, I will say uh I paid five dollars and nine cents for a jug of milk here the other day and I was like, oh kind of back, you know? But uh yeah, I hope some of that is trickling back to you. Yeah. Is it? I, I guess with that. Yes. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. And so do you tell us about where you sell your milk. Is it a co op? What how does that work?
2: Yeah. So we sell our milk with DFA, Dairy Farmers of America. And then um, that we sell it through DFA. And then um, it goes to Kemp's in a okay. either in Rochester or the Twin Cities, which is a creamery local to us um, where it's bottled for fluid milk.
1: OK, and that's the brand we buy. So thank awesome. You. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess, is uh, are you seeing more dairy producers exit the business or are people are people getting bigger to survive are they going to value added things i guess how are people weathering you know the tough times
2: yeah you're definitely i mean you're seeing the smaller farms um kind of sell out dwindle out um now with the milk price being higher a lot of people are like getting back into it or growing their herd or they're like finally we have a little money we could do something with it yeah so yeah it's i think a lot of people are trying to grow to to stay at it
1: kind of withstand what's what's coming. Yeah. Well, we'll be back after this short break. I want to talk in the final segment of Roll Route about uh, some challenges I see in the food system and maybe get your perspective on that. And then, oh, as always talk about solutions and how we can ensure everybody has access to safe, affordable, and nutritious uh, dairy products, and that we have a consistent supply on the shelves when people need it. So I'm Amanda Radke. We'll be right back after this short break.
0: Once again, want to put a plug in and say thank you to Amanda Radke, but go to her website. I have actually just perused the homepage because I haven't been here myself in a while. I tell you to go here every day. Now I'm here. This is gaining a lot of steam, and when this phase, whatever that phase is, of my life along with Amanda Radke, we are going to build a documentary finally. Finally, addressing the importance of the cow. There's so many negative attacks on cows, and it's because cows equal individualism, individualism equal freedom and liberty, and if people can take cows away from people, they destroy their spirit. It's that simple. Amanda has addressed the anti-cow documentary and needs a rebuttal, and there is a book that she's working on See us for care. Get more information about all of the books that Amanda and her family have put together at AmandaRadke.com.
1: And we're back for the final segment of Roll Route. I'm Amanda Radke sitting here with Annalise Wagner and we're talking about the dairy industry. Uh, Earlier I had mentioned that I had spoken at a dairy co-op meeting and uh, one of the concerns that they had, and I'd just like to know if this was uh, an issue you're seeing, is uh, with COVID and supply chain disruptions, one of the challenges is the plastics and the the bottling of the milk. Are you seeing that as a thing, or is that not really come up where you are?
2: Um, I think it was definitely a thing when COVID first came out. Um, I know as many of us probably remember when COVID first came, came out, um, yeah. the, the, the grocery store, the milk aisle, like it was hard to find a gallon of milk. And it was super frustrating, especially for me as a farmer, because I know we have the supply, right? Right, um, right. but it wasn't getting to the people and it was all because, you know, certain milk was being bottled for schools or for restaurants. And now that all needed to get bottled for just the grocery store so people could get it. Sure. So there was a little bit of an issue, um, uh, for a while there, but now I think it's it's pretty
1: well straightened out. Okay. Did you have to dump milk for a while?
2: We didn't. We were close. Okay. Um, DFA had a list um, and there were some other farmers that worked with DFA that did have to dump their milk. Luckily we were not one of them.
1: Okay. So I just want people to understand the impacts of having to dump milk on a, on a family dairy farm. What does that look like if, if a producer simply has to you know, get rid of their product. How devastating is that?
2: I mean, that it's everything you've worked for, you know, it's it's your paycheck, it's your livelihood, it affects the business, so to have to just dump that milk and get nothing for
1: it. It's insane. Yeah. So what was the mental health in the dairy community like at that time when products couldn't get delivered?
2: I think everybody was angry, depressed, frustrated, wondering Why and why this couldn't be, I mean, fixed, it just, it was so frustrating to know you have this major supply of milk, and people can't get the product that they want and that they need.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, we're starting to see, I I don't know if your grocery stores are kind of sparse these days, but we're starting to see some of that again. And uh, I, I, like I said, I talk about food insecurity and making sure that we have access at all times. And we saw the toilet paper shortages and the major hoarding and people panic buying And I was talking to my husband about this earlier this year and he's like, Amanda, this is not as big of a thing as you think it is. And we happened to stop at the grocery store and needed to pick up a jug of milk and uh, there was no milk. There wasn't even a thing of half and half. And this was the Walmart in Mitchell. And Ugh. my husband who grew up on a dairy, like he's freaking out. He's like, he's like yelling in the store. He's like, what do you mean? There's no milk. How is it there not be milk? Like, there's always milk. And I'm like, well, calm down. But also I kind of told you, you know, that this is happening. Yeah. But I, I guess, and I don't know what the exact reasoning would be, but do you anticipate anything like that becoming more widespread or are you seeing any shortages of products in your grocery store where you are
2: I have been seeing I mean some fewer emptier shelves in the grocery store I wouldn't say I'm seeing anything in the dairy case okay I wouldn't expect anything in the dairy case to be changing um as far as we have you know everything is is sorted out now things are being bottled and packaged and delivered where they need to be so
1: so stay calm and carry on huh (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So one thing that I work in, in the space in the beef industry space is the labeling thing. And, you know, we have these fake meat companies, plant based companies or lab grown meat companies that want to call their products, sausage and hamburger and steak or whatever it might be. Uh Obviously, the dairy space has been experiencing that but you guys were 15 years ago, <laughs> it was a lot sooner yeah. that you saw the almond milk. Uh, oat milks, all these nut mm-hmm. juices come onto the scene. Um, how has that impacted the dairy industry today? And I guess, how are you guys dealing with that? Or is it just kind of what it is?
2: Um, yeah, we have lots of nut juices now, which are great um, if you're into that sort of thing. But I think the, the thing to know is it's not milk. It does not offer as... Um, much protein or nutrients or calcium as an eight ounce glass of milk does um so i really it's like comparing apples and oranges they're not the same thing and i know there are people in the the dairy industry fighting to have those products um removed from the dairy case or called something else um as far as i know i don't think there's anything official on it yet but people are fighting for it um and Yeah. I think it's probably, um, affected fluid milk consumption a bit. Uh, there does seem to be a stigma that like adults don't need to drink milk and milk is bad and you should put oat milk in your smoothie instead. And it just boggles my mind because now I'm no fitness junkie, but I've worked with dairy girl (laughs) fitness before. Um, I've worked with a trainer and I know how important protein is right. And so if you're making a smoothie, wouldn't you want a product that is going to put more protein in it? Right. You know, like, why wouldn't you want to use real milk versus a nut juice that is basically flavored water?
1: Right. Yeah. And I always tell people, they pay so much money for like protein shakes and bars and stuff. And it's like, well, this already naturally occurs in beef and dairy and eggs. And it's, Way more affordable and it tastes good too. You don't have yeah. to jazz it up <laughs> yes. to make it edible and and I think too the misconception is that plants are better, but a lot of those nutrients aren't even as as bioavailable and and easily absorbed as what you can get from meat, dairy, and eggs. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, that's a hard thing. But I, I think yeah, was it you that had a post comparing it or was it Dairy Girl Fitness uh, talking about? The, the nutritional aspect of the nut juices compared to the real deal. Maybe that was scary girl fitness.
2: Yeah, it could have been her. I know I shared it. I think briefly in the
1: past, but yeah. yeah, And it's, and, and I always say too, as long as people have choice, that's awesome. But it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting because a lot of the nut juices don't even need to be refrigerated and they're right in the dairy aisle <laughs> next yeah. to the milks. And it's like, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I sound sassy, but uh, I, I just see, I see such a push, push to, you know, even some of the major coffee houses across the country oh. that were like, oh, we're not going to have dairy as an option. We're going to go all almond milk or whatever. And it's like, it's just such a shame because right. it, the attacks on nutrition and animal welfare and environment couldn't be further from the truth. And and maybe mm-hmm. that's a good place to spend, you know, our last five minutes is talking about uh, the environmental impacts and how you see your dairy cattle kind of fitting into the conversation because there seems to be this push that the planet would be a lot healthier without cows at all. I guess what would you say to that?
2: Yeah, I would say the cool thing about the dairy cow is they can um, di- consume and digest legumes and other you know plants that we can't, right. and they can turn it into food that we can eat. Mm-hmm. So on non tillable land. Um, You know, you can graze your cattle, or, you know, we can feed our cattle, um, certain things that, that humans can't eat and it turns into milk and dairy products. And right. That's amazing thing for the environment and for a growing hungry population.
1: Yep. Yep. I always say the cows have four stomachs so they can go eat all that stuff. I don't want to eat and I'm going to enjoy the good stuff that they mm-hmm. they can provide us with. Yeah. Uh, so do you, I guess, you know, I know the cow fart thing is such a huge thing. Do you get a lot of people asking you about emissions? Um, I don't get a lot of
2: people asking me about it. I don't know if that's just my audience. I do talk about it um, once in a while because it is frustrating that people are blaming the cows. Um, but yet we're flying these big jets back and forth for no reason. Um, you know, I mean, there's way bigger problems than cows.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always make the joke, like if they were so bad, we'd have smog over our pastures because the cow farts (laughs) are just out of control. But yeah, then we have these elite politicians that jet set across the world to go talk about climate change it's like well you could have done that over zoom and saved yeah. the emissions and then you could have drank your glass of milk and been just fine so right <laughs> again I get a little <laughs> sassy but see that's where you come in because you do it so sweetly and kindly <laughs> and <laughs> so what what are you working on now any new exciting projects coming down the pike that people could watch for
2: yeah well I'm working on a youtube channel um I really, I'm a big food person too. I like to cook. So I'm working on some YouTubes that would um, maybe showcase a meal I make in my kitchen. We go do chores. We come back and finish the meal because as a dairy mom, um, meal prep and making dinner time as easy and simple as possible in the evening is a must. Um, And I know a lot of people can relate to that. So I think it'd be a fun way to connect over food and show a little more of our farm life um through recipes so i'm going to work on that um i'm hoping to kind of i've got all sorts of ideas yeah. um i want to build a little more community with my fellow farm women fellow rural women and um kind of get together for a mastermind dinner so cool. i'm working on getting that set up. Um, Because I just think, yeah, farm women, so many of us, I think, aspire to do things greater than what our small town may have to offer. And when you can connect with like-minded women like that, it's a lot of fun and inspiring and helps you be a better person.
1: Totally, yeah. I think we push each other, and, and that's how I appreciate about you on this basis. I think you push people to be better and be a voice. And and yes, I do really appreciate your videos on recipes too. I think they're a big hit, and <laughs> I've been doing that with the kids too. And it's 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 the basic stuff, like oh, how, what kind of beef to use? You? you know, it, it's mm-hmm. totally like square one sometimes, and it's, you do feel silly, like oh, everybody should know this, but they don't. So it's yeah, yeah. It, it's helpful. Um, with 30 seconds left to go, do, any parting words or uh, final, final thoughts?
2: Uh, I would just like to say thanks for letting me come on and chat with you today. It was a lot of fun. Um, I hope if you are a fellow farmer listening that we've inspired you to share your
1: story because it takes everyone. It does. It takes a village. And uh, today, with the help of Annalise Wagner, the mod farm chick, we have journeyed down the road connecting urban and rural America. I'm Amanda Radke, filling in for Trent Loose, here to remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route.
0: Once again, I want to remind you about the opportunities with certified Piedmontese for the Great Plains Cattlemen. Details about the history of the Piedmontese breed and the system itself can be found at Lone Creek Cattle Company. LoneCreekCattleCo.com is what I should say. And in no way, shape, or form will I ever bash marbling because marbling is what gives us a distinct advantage around the world when it comes to the beef supply. But the whole tenderness aspect has truly sold me that it is one of the key drivers in generating a consistent eating experience from the consumer. When you have tenderness every time, the consumer is extremely satisfied. And that is really what we want, satisfied eating experiences in the beef world. So to get paid properly, you need to be compensated, and that's what Lone Creek does. Go find out the details at lonecreekcattleco.com